Hello everyone, welcome to episode four of the Best Athletics Podcast. I'm Coach Dan, back again for my third episode now of the pod, um, after the last episode, uh, welcoming guest Jake Smith on, uh, chatting to Coach Nick and Coach Sam. So I'm really pleased to jump on my first podcast with my co-coach and very good friend, Samantha Murray. Uh Sam, hello. Hi Dan. How's it going? You all right? Yeah, all good, thanks. Um, let's get on with what we're chatting about today. We've got some uh, really fun stuff to get stuck into with you guys today. We're going to be giving you our top 10 marathon tips as it is marathon season. Uh, lots of you in the club around Best Athletics and the wider running community kicking off your training blocks for autumn marathons, uh, including Amsterdam, uh, not quite Valencia yet, uh, but New York, I think, is another one. Berlin, of course, uh, a big one. Is there any, any I'm missing, Sam? Chicago. Chicago, yeah. Plenty going on. So we want to give you our top 10 tips for training for a marathon. So this isn't quite going to be racing a marathon. We'll do a separate podcast when we get closer to marathon race days to give you guys some tips. But we're going to be focusing on our top 10 tips for your training block. Um, how many marathons have we done between us, Sam? How many have you done? I've only done two. Done two. Okay, I was trying to count up earlier. I think I've done five now, not including ultra marathons. But uh, yeah, so, so plenty of marathon experience between us, I think. Yeah. Cool. So before we get into our top 10 marathon tips, uh, I think there's some headlines we want to get into from the BA community. Uh, the mile relays in Battersea Park, were was it last week or, or two weeks ago? I think it was last week. A couple of weeks ago. So Best Athletics had two teams out, which is fantastic. So Nick, Harry and Reese uh, were taking part in uh, the guys race uh, and they won that with a time of 13 minutes 41.06 seconds I think that's how it breaks it down yeah. and the girls team who was in the girls team girls was Becky Amy and Anya and they came in in second place in a time of 16 minutes 10 seconds 0.04 um, so yeah some really really impressive times there um, such a great event as well I was racing last year and honestly awful distance hate a mile race but such a good event so much fun and having the relays is just it's just great to work in your team um great event really well supported as well yeah i think the most shocking thing about the mile relays was probably uh nick speed suit um that that stood out the most to me (laughs) the worst part is he wore it last year and still decided it was a good idea to wear it again this year yeah i know whether he thinks it makes him faster or not i don't know but he got the fastest (laughs) time so you know you can't really argue with it (laughs) fair enough Okay, I think we should get stuck in then. Uh, We've got a lot of tips to get through today. Hopefully you guys find these really useful. Um, I've certainly enjoyed uh, planning these out because, uh, you know, they don't just come off the top of our heads. It takes a bit of time for uh, Sam and I to think about our top 10 marathon tips as there's obviously more than 10 that we could be giving. So we tried to narrow this down to, I think particularly as coaches, you know, the ones that we're uh, having to give out to our clients and to our team members the most um uh, and the ones that i find you know are constantly reoccurring so let's uh, let's get stuck into tip number one cool so dan top tip number one plan your training block what are your thoughts on this yeah so i think this is absolutely key um when it comes to your marathon you know it, the training starts anywhere from eight to 12 weeks out or even 16 weeks out depending on um, how experienced you are as a runner so if you're someone who is a regular runner running three or four times a week um, doing a range of sessions then you're going to have a base level of fitness which means you, you don't need to focus too much on starting from scratch and increasing your mileage whereas someone who 
is uh, taking on a marathon for the first time and doing it for charity, like a lot of people do for London Marathon, etc. You know, you should be thinking at probably 16 uh, weeks out, maybe even longer, 20 weeks out, because if you're starting from complete scratch, first, you need to get used to running several times a week. Um, and then when you're running several times a week, you need to focus on building out that mileage each week to be able to get more and more miles in each week. And then focusing on that long run, building out your volume to be able to run for one period of time, even longer each week. So it varies on the type of uh, runner that you are. But the biggest mistake I see is people jumping into a marathon block and then they're like, oh, I was on holiday this weekend, this weekend and this weekend. And then they end up missing three of their long runs out of their block of eight, 10 or 12. And those long runs are the most important runs of your training block. So being able to plan back from your race day to know which weekends are going to be your big peak weeks so you can plan for them, I think is really, really important. Yeah, yeah, really nice tips. And I completely agree. Um, it's just about building up that mileage slowly so that you're reducing your risk of injury as well. So taking into account that if you do get injured, that's another few weeks out. So yeah, just really being sensible about it and yeah, planning your block, planning those long runs, especially. Cool. Okay. Tip number two, I'm going to back this one back over the net to you, Sam. Um, so long runs are more than just about practicing your running. What do we mean by that? Absolutely. Long runs are a chance for you to practice your race day. So practice your race day fueling, your sleep beforehand, your dinner the night before, your breakfast in the morning, during your run, practicing your fueling, your hydration, and just getting into the right mental state as well. I think a lot of it is mental training as well. Just getting into that long run block where you your mind is in the race state because you're out there on the road for hours at a time. So it's just about training your mind as well. I think this one uh, links to tip number 10, which we're not going to give away uh, too early. But by the time that you get to race day, you should essentially know everything that you, you should be doing on race day. So, you know, if you're still asking questions about how you should be fueling or what kit you're going to be wearing or what breakfast you should be, should be having in the morning, you've left that a little bit too late. You know, those are the things that we should be practicing throughout our block in the lead up to our long run or on long run day so that we can answer all those questions. So all we can focus on a race week is going through the motions, focusing entirely on our running. So we minimize the amount of stress so that we're as relaxed and, and comfortable as possible. So, you know, planning your route so that you've got water on route and you know, practicing your fuel and all of the things that Sam said, they're really, really important. And actually the running just makes up a small part of that. Yeah, absolutely. Back to you. Um, increase your mileage gently week on week by around five to 10% for a period of eight to 16 weeks, depending on ability. Yeah. So this links again, very closely to tip number one. So, you know, when we are increasing our mileage each week and our intensity at that as well, the intense, overall intensity and duration of our training week, we should be thinking about the 10% rule. If we're increasing mileage by more than 10% each week, and that's of each run or of each long run or our total mileage, that increases our risk of injury if we're going over that 10% mark. So that sweet spot of around five and 10%, say your long run is 10 miles one weekend, then the next weekend it should be uh, 11 miles and then you're adding on another 1.1 miles. So trying to increase your mileage by uh, around five or 10% is the nice sweet spot for avoiding injury and uh, the risk of injury as well. So I get that question quite a lot about how, how much should I be increasing my mileage by, how much should I be increasing my intensity by, so thinking using that 10% rule is something that I you know, stick by quite closely uh, and also only changing one thing at a time. So if you've increased your mileage by five or 10% in one week, then you don't want to be increasing the number of runs from three to four. So if you can get the, the five to 10% increase out of those three runs, 
then you know you don't want to be changing too much at one time so thinking about what as coaches we get taught as the fit principles of training so frequency intensity and time if you're changing all of those things at once you might be changing too much so you want to be thinking around about that five five to ten percent mark is is where you want to be increasing things week on week yeah absolutely and i just think it's important to note there depending on ability that if you're starting from a low base it's going to take you a lot longer because that 10 percent is going to be a lot smaller so if you're only starting on a small number of miles that 10 percent is going to be very minimal when you're increasing so just factoring that into your training block again making sure that you have enough time to build up to the distance that you want to get to before you actually get to race day yeah definitely great question okay we are smashing through these number four uh how should you hydrate and how important is hydration yeah i think hydration is so important and often so overlooked most people focus on their nutrition but don't take into account hydration um so especially now when it's hot it's summer months i mean we say that it's been raining fast three weeks um but it's really humid as well so you're sweating a lot you're losing a lot of liquid um what i normally recommend for most of my athletes is to wear yourself before and after your run um but just taking into account how much you've taken in food wise drink wise all of that on your run as well um and drinking 1.5 times the amount of weight that you've lost and this is going to rehydrate you. You were drinking more because your body's not going to absorb everything that you're drinking. You're going to urinate some of it out. Um, so that's a great way to make sure you're staying hydrated and just make sure that especially on your long runs, you're taking some form of fluids with you. So getting like investing in like a camelback or making sure you're doing loops where you leave a bottle somewhere where you can pick it up, have a few sips, um, that kind of thing really really useful and then just to make sure that you are staying hydrated a really easy way to check is just using the urine color chart so if your urine's a really light yellow light color absolutely fine if you're getting to a darker yellow color then you should probably drink more yeah some really really good points there sam um and i think for me uh the thing with hydration is that you need to get a bit creative i think people think that if you're if you have to fuel on a run it means you've got to carry a bottle with you or, or something like that whereas it just takes some planning um so if you're if you, you're long running on a saturday or a sunday a little bit of prep the day before or the morning of if you've got a car then you can drive around and maybe drop some bottles on route and there's no there's no harm in stopping for 30 seconds in your long run in order to take on a bit of fluid because that will be like in a marathon where there's a drink station and you know in a marathon sometimes it's important to just pause or slow down a little bit in order to you're better off slowing down as you approach a drink station to make sure you get a drink and a bottle consume it in a way that's not going to make you choke or you know make you bloated or something because that's going to help sustain you for the rest of the run whereas if you miss that station because you're too worried about slowing down for a brief period and being on pace that's something we need to factor in as part of our marathon pacing and strategy on the day is that they're, you know, for small chunks we might need to slow down a little bit which means our average pace might need to be a second quicker per kilometer so thinking about that in your training as well in your long runs if you can drop a bottle somewhere on the day before in a bush so that you know where you can stop and imitate your drink stations but also if you don't have a bush or something like that plan your route around there being a shop or, or something like that i know we in battersea park we leave drinks on the side there on the railings and there's always tons of drinks because everyone does the same thing so it imitates a drink station so i think being really creative and just putting a little bit of effort into preparing 
you know, organization is the key to success, you know, prepare to fail, fail to prepare. So all of those things come into play. So you just need to be committed and created to, you know, going above the line for, for your hydrate, hydration because it's, it's really, really important. Yeah, absolutely. So the next one, tip number five. Fueling during training. Yeah, again, this is very similarly linked to hydration. Um, and yeah, it's such a broad subject. And, you know, you're the nutritionist here, Sam, so I'll let you give the full context of how important it is. But, you know, understanding what your body is expending and the impact that that's having on your training is absolutely key. So having a basic understanding of calories out versus calories in, carbohydrates, protein and fat and the impact that that is going to have on your body and most importantly the impact that a lack of that is going to have on your body if you if you are if you're going into a session depleted or under fueled you are not going to have a good session and that's going to compound if you keep having bad sessions um, to impact your training so being ultra prepared and just having a basic understanding of the amount of calories you need to be eating number one rule from my perspective is anything is better than nothing so even if it's junk food even if it's something that um, I get a question from a lot of my clients about the fact they just can't stomach anything after a long run. And that's the most essential time that you need to be replenishing yourself after a big session. And the advice I give there is just anything is better than nothing. Even if it means eating a cake, even if it means eating a tub of ice cream, you know, getting something into your body that you can stomach just to give yourself a level of replenishment is better than not eating anything at all, which is you know, a, a, a challenge that I see that some people go through, but understanding a basic level of nutrition to understand how important fueling is to your marathon training, pre-session, post-session, the night before a big long run is really, really essential. But I'll let you go into some of the details, Sam. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like we could do a whole podcast on this one tip, to be honest. Um, but just really simply, like during your long run, you should be looking to consume between 30 and 60 grams of carbohydrates per hour as a minimum. So for some context, most gels will have 30 grams. The beta fuel gels have 40 grams. So we're just trying to get two to three of those in an hour, which is quite a lot to stomach. So trying to mix that up between gels, solids, liquids, you get carb drinks, that kind of thing really helps. That also helps with your hydration if you're taking it in, in the source of a drink. And then in terms of afterwards, like Dan said, we don't want to be in an energy deficit because this is going to slow down your recovery and it's you're not going to perform in your next session. It's just going to like put your training back three steps after you've done all of this hard work. So ideally, we're looking to get a mix of carbs and protein after your training, three to one ratio. So 90 grams of carbs um, for 30 grams of protein. But there have been studies to show that your body doesn't actually take in huge amounts of protein at once. So if you're someone who can't stomach a huge meal after a run, just try and get 20 grams of protein in, just smaller amounts and dose it out in smaller quantities throughout the rest of the day. You've got like a 24-hour to 48-hour window where your body will still be repairing itself. Um so yeah, just making sure that you're taking in enough for the work, like fuel for the work required is what I tell most of my athletes. And it's funny, I'm sure Dan, you get the same there. You'll get so many comments on training peaks before, well, after a hard session with people saying, I didn't feel properly for that session. And that was awful. And it does make a huge amount of difference. Your body only has glycogen stores for 90 minutes. So anything at high intensity, above 75 minutes because you're burning fuel even when you're not running before your run um you are going to need to top up yeah and i think that's really interesting the point you made because <clears throat> there's a couple of times where 
um, a bit, you need a bit of an understanding of where you're training and what your body's gone through. So when people wake up in the morning, they say they've had a bit of a the session wasn't great or they didn't feel kind of up for it. You know, the first thing I say is, did you eat anything before the session? Because if you've got up and done a hard session, like a tempo or a track session, and you're completely fasted, your body's gone eight, 10, sometimes even 12 hours without any sustenance. So those glycogen stores that you mentioned are going to get depleted very quickly, very easily. So, you know, that's, that's number one. And then if it's later in the day, it's kind of, okay, have you come straight from work? When was the last time you ate at work? You know, what time was your lunch? Have you gone five or six hours without eating anything all day? Um, and to, before your session, because, you know, a banana or a Lucasade or a gel right before the session is actually probably just maybe the one thing you need just to give yourself that little top up, that little boost to tackle that hard session. So I think is is an awareness of um, what you've been fueling and what process your body is going to at different points in the day and, and, and which sessions you're applying those to. So anyway, as you said, we could do a whole podcast on that, but I have got one question for you, Sam. Yeah. Post long run, you know, you absolutely nailed your long run. You're ready to smash some food. You've got 2000 calories to get in. What are you going to, what are you having? My favorite is always a fat smoothie. So I'll do banana, yogurt, oats, berries, milk, honey, peanut butter, like anything I feel like. I just want a cool smoothie. I find it really easy to take in, digest. I feel a lot more hydrated as well when I'm drinking it. It doesn't feel like I'm trying to eat a big, huge, heavy meal. Um, That's my go-to. What's your go-to? Oh, I just love an almond croissant. (laughs) Like just the sweet sweet taste of the almond croissant post-long run, you cannot beat it. (laughs) Think you have meals later. (laughs) Yeah, I'll see you at Gales. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, number six, I think is you coming back to me. Yes, uh, run at your target marathon zone. Cool, okay. Yeah, so this one's really key. And again, this one depends on your ability. So if you are um, targeting a pace or a particular time for a marathon, you need to try and spend a good amount of your, your training week, uh, a minimum of around 20%, sometimes up to 30 um, can be longer depending on uh, what kind of running strategy you're pursuing. Um, but you need to spend some time working at your target pace. Um, so if you're planning to run a sub three hour marathon, that's kind of a 6.50, 6.45 minute mile or 4.15 um, minutes per kilometer. So you need to spend some time getting used to that or running a, sli- a little bit faster than that in training so that your body adapts and is well conditioned to hold that pace for over the marathon distance. So that's where in your long run building some target marathon pace is really, really key. And also maybe one tempo session a week um, where we're practicing and getting used to running at that target pace. But why I mentioned it's all about ability is you might not have a target time. If you're trying to compete your first marathon and your goal is just to finish, but then your target zone is just to be able to run for the distance each week and, and add on mileage each week. So you won't have a target pace. It's just whatever pace it takes to get the run done. So it's really important for your conditioning. If you turn up on race day and you've not done any real marathon training, but you, in, in terms of a specific marathon pace training, but you're aiming for a target time, you're going to have a little bit of a shock when you get into the race. But. Yeah. And I also think everything links, all these tips link to each other, getting used to taking on fuel at that pace, getting used to mentally how that pace feels so that in a race you can kind of pace yourself without looking at your watch every five seconds, that kind of thing. It's all just really important. They all intertwine um, for race day. Cool. Tip number seven, keep up your strength work. Sam, I think you can be the the biggest proponent of this considering uh, your comeback from injury. So tell us more about this. This is huge. Firstly, for injury prevention, like so many runners neglect their strength training and end up with niggles, injuries, and then end up seeing a physio. 
um, once they're already injured. But just keeping up that strength work and maintaining that strength is so important. And I can vouch for this. Coming back from injury, I haven't run for five months and have been doing loads of physio and strength work with Luke. Um, one of our team physios at the running room. And we actually did some strength testing yesterday or the day before. And the strength in my left leg after not using it for five months, not running on it was exactly the same as the strength in my right leg. So just keeping up the muscle strength like evenly in both sides of your body just to prevent imbalances when you're running you're running on surfaces that are not always flat there's going to be some different changes in your muscles especially if you're running like loops around Battersea Park always in the same direction loops around the track um just strengthening those muscles and getting them to hold up while you are getting into those longer harder sessions is so key um and i know luke and the team at the running room have actually come up with a marathon specific snc plan which is for free um so would really recommend following that like great great value um and it's free so i don't know why you wouldn't do it as a runner who wants to run a strong marathon yeah, I totally agree. And we can, um, we'll share the link to that plan, uh, in the, uh, details or comments, whatever it is on Spotify that you can, where you can see things, but, um, I can totally vouch for that as well. I've also been working with Luke van der Feen at the running room, uh, have been off running for three or four months coming back from an injury and did the same test that Sam's talking about. And, you know, whereas previously I had imbalances of over like 30% between right and left, they're now all below 10%. Um, and my power has gone up in you know s- several areas, different exercises as much as as seventy percent we've seen on some of those some of those exercises and those tests. So it is really really important both when you're uh, out of a block or coming back from injury, and when you're in a block and regularly running for maintaining your. Um, we all have imbalances that come through form, through all sorts of things, particularly like you know in terms of the way that we might stand or being uh, sitting down all day or being left handed or right handed can all lead to imbalances and things like strength help to iron those out and uh, prevent them from becoming too much of a uh, an issue in the form of niggles and injuries um, that we often see all the time. So yeah, very, very important and can't stress that one enough. You know, there's sometimes a um, stigma in running against like weight training and, you know, runners just run. Why would they do any weights? Whereas they can complement each other so much. So yeah, that's a great tip. On to number eight. Tip number eight, you can't do it all. Training can mean compromise and sacrifice. It's a big one for you, Dan. Yeah, this is a great one. And Alessia Jake Smith, who we spoke to last week, go back and have a look at that episode three. Um, Sam had a great conversation with him or a professional athlete. We are all individuals with uh, day-to-day lives, nine-to-five jobs, um, families in some instances, social lives, etc. So we often get ourselves in this mindset, of, uh, particularly as runners, it's, uh, the beauty of the sport is that you can push yourself and keep pushing yourselves and really there are no limits on it. Um, but also what we've got to remember is you know, we don't want to train so hard that we end up, you know, falling out of love with it, which I often see or put too much pressure on ourselves on a race time or achieving a particular goal. Um, you know, training does mean compromise and sacrifice. Sometimes it means, you know, if you're a month out from a marathon race, you know, missing maybe those social events or cutting out the alcohol or making sure you're getting to bed in time so that you can prioritize your session the next day. But equally, it can also mean missing some sessions um, if if you've got things going on in your life that, are important or um you know things like birthdays or, or whatever it might be a work event you know it's okay to miss a session when you're when you're in a training block it's okay to to have a bad session or things like to not go so well so in the same way you have to make compromise and sacrifice to 
achieve things, you also have to make compromise and sacrifices with your running to say, well, actually, sometimes it's okay just to let the pressure valve off a little bit. And, you know, that's something that Sam and I as coaches are constantly managing is people's expectations and people's um, relationship with running. Um, it's as much about that as it is their performance with running as well. Yeah, absolutely agree. Like you've got to remember that we're all human and we all have lives and a lot of us are not professional athletes. So we do need to prioritize the friendships that we have, the relationships that we have sometimes. And that one marathon is not the end of the world if we don't hit every single session. Um, so what like we would recommend Dan and I as coaches with all of our athletes, we just ask them to tell us about big social events that they're having on. And then kind of, again, coming back to that planning your training block and planning your block around those so that if you do have a big event on a Saturday night, you don't have your big Sunday long run. Um, you try and get that over with earlier on in the week so that you can go out and enjoy your Saturday night and you know you're going to be hungover on Sunday and that's absolutely fine and then just kind of making those sacrifices in the weeks that are closer leading up to the race where you're just like okay maybe I do go out but I don't go out as late and I drink alcohol free drinks that night so yeah absolutely it's all about finding that balance yeah I totally agree and that's one that I'm I'm really really big on and kind of my philosophy as a coach is uh, running fits into your life, not your life into running. So always kind of remembering that and taking the pressure off yourself, I think is really, really key. Okay, um, tip number nine, your biggest training run should be around four weeks out from the marathon. Yeah, now this is really important. We see a lot of people wanting to do their biggest run like two weeks out from the marathon. And this time you're going to get marginal gains from this run because your body takes time to adapt to the training response and the stimulus. So four weeks out is ideal, gives you enough, your body enough time to adapt to the training stimulus, get you stronger, get you fitter. From there on, you should be starting to reduce your load, fine tune your like marathon pace, get a few more faster sessions in there um, and just start to taper down and recover get in lots of good fuel, start to work on topping up your glycogen stores, keep hydrated, get a lot of sleep, um, and just prepare your body for race day. Anything closer than that is really just maintenance work. You're not going to get any gains really from that period. Yeah, the, the risk of uh, timing your biggest long run uh, later than that is that you don't give your body the time to recover because, you know, when we when we run a marathon in itself, you know, general rule of thumb is around about a day per kilometer in terms of recovery. So a, a month after a hard marathon race, um, you know, that's how long you, you tend to need before you can start tackling really hard training again. So if you're doing your big long run, which is as close as you're going to get to marathon pace, and you're doing, say, 13, 14, 15 miles, a really big proportion of that at marathon pace, your body gonna, is going to need time to recover from that, which is why we taper. So therefore, the later you leave it, the less time you you give between your marathon and that long run, which means you might not feel fresh on the day. There are some exceptions to that rule where if, for example, you've been injured earlier on in your block um, or your block is a bit shorter um, for whatever reason, you can carry that long run over a little bit um, by maybe a week or two. Um, and it just means you need a harder taper the other side of it um, and to really reduce your load quite quickly if there's a shorter gap. So there are some exceptions to the rule, but generally we should be aiming for that big run around a month out, four weeks out. Yeah, absolutely. And then final tip, tip number 10, 
never try anything new on race day. Yeah, I know this is Mick's favorite tip uh, and we touched on it earlier on in terms of what you should be practicing during your training. And you never want to try anything new on race day. If you're trying some new food, if you're trying some new shoes, if you're trying a new outfit, like all of these things, they're complete unknowns as to there is a there is a chance that they might go right and it might be great for you, but there is also the chance that it could go really wrong. So, you know, if you're trying a new breakfast or a new gel, you know, we all know the issues that can happen with that. If you screw your gut up, if you're needing to go to the loo in the marathon, that can ruin a race. So never try anything new on race day. As we mentioned, trying to condition everything throughout the block so that you know what shoes you're wearing, you know what you're going to eat, you know what you're going to drink. You know what meal you're going to have the night before. You know what meal you're going to have when you wake up. All of these things are things we should be practicing so that it completely reduces the risk of something going wrong on race day because that can be make or break uh, within within the marathon. Yeah, completely agree. Nothing new on race day. You've heard it a million times. We'll keep on telling you. Um, but there's no point throwing something new in the mix. There's already enough stress and pressure on race day to then be trying new things. You've got all the time you've got. If you've done your training block, you've had your 16 weeks to try it out. There's really no excuses. Cool. Amazing. So thank you very much, Sam. Those are our top 10 tips uh, for the marathon. There's obviously so many more tips that we could give and so many uh, other topics that we could cover. So if you're listening to this and you've got any specific questions for Sam or myself or um, that you want to hear on the podcast, uh, head over to the Best Athletics Instagram page, uh, drop a DM into the inboxes there. Or you can find us both individually on Instagram as well. And we're happy to help answer some of those questions, but we hope you find that really, really useful. This was a um, kind of, this was specifically based on marathon training. What we're hoping to be able to deliver as a series of kind of podcasts as part of this part of the uh, series one uh, is as we get closer to, Race day is kind of one specifically on taper tips and then one on how to race a marathon and um, what you can be doing on the day to prepare for that marathon and race it and achieve the result that you want to. So a nice little series of podcasts to get you there. But um, yeah, that was really fun, Sam. I enjoyed that a lot. I think so next now we're going to get into some questions from our audience in terms of Coach's Corner. Okay, so what are your best one percenters? This question is from Rob Lee. I coach Rob, so that is a great question. God, there are so many one percenters that um, that uh, that we could give here, but I think for me personally, the best one is getting your sleep routine absolutely nailed. So um, it's in that month before the marathon, like I've I've become I've become a bit of a hermit. So you know, my friends you probably won't hear from me for a month. You know, I'm really focused on getting myself into bed at nine o'clock and giving myself the best chance of those eight, nine hours sleep that we really need to be getting to regenerate our body and recover. Uh, and then the other one percenter is I'm a social guy. I love going out for a beer, um, uh, you know, with my friends, etc. So cutting out alcohol, probably I think the last marathon I did it from six weeks out. Um, you know, Lucky Saint became my best friend, uh, alcohol-free alternatives, which meant I didn't have to exclude myself totally from social situations. Um, but I, you know, I felt so much better. It contributes to better sleep, you know, um, your body functioning a lot better. Um, if it's one drink here and there, you know, once a week or whatever, it's probably not going to do that much damage. But for me, it's the discipline around it that is the 1% for me. So that if I'm really honing in and taking everything seriously, that mindset means that I think I'm in the best position and best possible place um to perform for the marathon but sam i don't know what you've got yeah yeah completely agree with your two points there dan what i would say specifically from a nutrition point of view um hydration i know we've like spoken about it already in the podcast but hydration is huge 
Um, just staying hydrated, especially in the week leading up to the race, and then just making sure that you're sipping throughout the race um, and practicing that in your training. And then in terms of additional supplements, um, nitrate loading. So there's been a lot of talk about beetroot. I know Dan loves some beetroot. <laughs> Love um, a beetroot. Beetroot everything. <laughs> but starting to nitrate load five days out where the beetroot shots are normally what I would recommend. So either one beetroot shot or 250 mils of beetroot, just beetroot juice, um, just to load for the five days out and then an extra shot on race day, depending on if your stomach can handle it. But those would be my two top one percenters. Cool. And I'm sure there's loads more one percenters. So if any of you have got any ideas, um, again, let us know uh, on Instagram or in, in any comments or anything. And uh, we'd love to share some of those. Um, cool. The next one is from Mikey. Uh, how much training should I do compared to S&C? Um, I think you need to balance it out. And I think it depends what stage of training you're in, what phase of the marathon block you're in. I think you can afford to do, and you should be doing more in the earlier stages, try and do twice a week at least with heavier weights. And then as you start getting closer to race day, you can maybe reduce this to once a week with some lighter weights, maybe more body weight, mobility um, exercises leading up to the race. What are your thoughts, Dan? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, again, depending on how much running you're doing, um, I would always kind of prioritize at least one S&C session a week. Um, if you've got the time, then trying to do two S&C sessions a week, trying to get this uh, done on your hard day. So, you know, if you finish a hard track session or a tempo session, you've got it available to jump straight in the gym and kind of get some weights done straight after that, where your body is quite pumped that will give you a lot of time for recovery before your next session whereas if you're going to say on a tuesday with your um, track session then weights on a wednesday and then tempo on a thursday you might not get the recovery that you need in time by that thursday so you're not giving yourself the chance for your legs to recover so trying to keep it on your hard days as well um, is a really good way uh, to kind of chunk it all so hard days are hard and easy days are easy um, but obviously like we've touched already we're not all pro athletes we don't have the time necessarily or the, or the resources so even if you can just get one session in a week um, you know that's much better than nothing yeah absolutely and I would always recommend getting in that S&C session over an easy run so if you do have to compromise somewhere if you are at a decent base level fitness and you need to you don't have time to do a strength session and an easy run the next day then I would really prioritize getting that strength session in amazing okay next one when will we see the new best athletics kits this came from sam from the whatsapp group well this is top secret at the moment i don't know if we can announce this yet <laughs> um i think we're all asking the same question here nick has been working so hard um to get this adidas kit signed and signed off and ready to go so watch the space is I think the best answer we can give you for now, hopefully very soon, hopefully we'll have it for big half. I think that's our next aim, but at the moment we don't have a set date. Yeah, I've seen the designs. They are pretty sexy. Uh, so I'm looking forward to getting them on myself, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's going to be sometime in September. We don't really know when yet just because of um, kind of factory deadlines and stuff, but it's in the works and it will be coming very, very soon. So you've been very patient so far you do not have much longer to wait it will be worth 
It will be worth it. It will be worth it. Cool. Um, okay, so I think the next one was, should I be training to mimic hydration? I think this was from Lizzie, uh, Lizzie Wright. Uh, I think we've answered this earlier on in the podcast, but just to kind of reiterate that, that, you know, training during your long runs to mimic hydration, uh, you know, replicating those aid stations, working out at what point you know your body needs, you know, an extra kick for some from some hydration. Um, those are all things that you can be doing during your long run. Yeah, absolutely. And then last question from our coach's corner, should you be training your gut? Yeah, definitely. I think, again, we've touched on this earlier on, um, you know, the more that you can fuel during your long run and all of those things, the more you will get familiar with what you can and what food you can and can't process during a run, what gels you can and can't process, which just uh, reduces the chances of things going very wrong on race day, which you can infer into that as much as you like. Um, but like I say, that can make or break a marathon. Yeah, again, and this can also be trying out different brands of gels, trying out different timings. If you feel like you can't stomach the gels, then try the mix of gels, solids, fluids. There's so many ways to overcome GI issues. Another one, again, coming back to hydration, the more hydrated you are, the less likely you are to have GI issues. So that's another huge factor and that. So just making sure that you're taking on water when you are taking gels, that kind of thing. But again, practicing your training so that you don't have any issues in race day. Cool. Thank you guys for all your questions. Um, again, every week, if you've got questions you want to get on the podcast, then just drop us a DM at uh, Best Athletics on Instagram. Yeah, make sure that you are following the podcast, subscribing to the podcast. And yeah, we, we'd love to get your questions on here as much as possible. Obviously, in the group chats, if you're already a member of the club, we'll be uh, asking every week for your questions. So make sure you're paying attention to the to the group chat uh, and get your questions in. Okay, we're going to wrap this up now. Um, I think the last thing we're going to chat about uh, is what's going on in the club. So there's lots going on at the moment. The first thing I want to shout out is our Athlete of the Month for July, which is Laura Farmer. Um, she's one of my team. Uh, she's had a fantastic first half of the year running a solid PB um, at London, which was a 3.18 marathon. And she's since then broken the sub 20-minute 5K barrier twice uh, with a 19.51 time on two occasions so uh really really pleased uh, about that and, and and couldn't be happier for laura and her performance um she's such a, an amazing club member amazing client and there's big things to come for her with valencia later in the year so i'm looking forward to seeing where we go with that one cool next up do you want to we've already touched on it but the big kit announcement yeah. which has been well overdue that ba are now working with adidas for our kit dan and i have seen the new designs and they are very, very cool, very sexy. Um, so yeah, really excited about that. I think it's huge for our club. We have so many members now. It's time to up our kit game. So yeah, look good, run fast. Yeah, I like that. That should be our new slogan. <laughs> um, so the next big race in the calendar for us, I think is the big half in September. Um, I know you and I aren't quite doing that. Ours are later in October, Sam, but I've got tons of, of athletes doing it. There's, there's going to be a huge takeover from the club. So if you want to be running in blue and white and you're listening to this, then, you know, jump on, get on board the Best Athletics membership. Look out for us at the at the big half. There's going to be loads of us there. Yeah. Um, then also later this year, we have two training camps coming up. The first one being UK-based. Um, that's in September. 
And then the next one is going to be in Lanzarote. Lanzarote. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going abroad again. Yeah, going global. Yeah, so Dan and I will be organizing that one with um, the help of Amy, which is super, super exciting. That'll be in November. So more dates, more details will be released about that soon. But first come, first priority will be given to coached athletes and best athletics members. So if you're not one of those, get on board, join Best Athletics. It's honestly great. Dan and I um, organized a camp in Portugal beginning of this year and was a huge success, was so much fun. I think everyone who came on it can vouch for that. So yeah, really exciting news. Get some warm weather towards the end of the year as well, hopefully. So yeah, that's really exciting. Cool, yeah. Keep your eyes and ears peeled for that one, guys. There's going to be lots of stuff coming on that one very soon. And that's it for this week's episode. Uh, thank you very much, Sam, for joining me. It's been great fun. I love doing these things every week. I uh, love you know, being able to share as much as we can as coaches for our members and people beyond um, the club uh, and our listeners. So thank you all very, very much for listening. Sam, thank you for joining. If you're loving this podcast, if you're loving um, what we're doing here at Best Athletics, then please support us by following us on Instagram, um, subscribing to this podcast, rating us um, on Apple or Spotify, wherever it is you're listening. That's only going to help us and help us grow. And if you're interested in joining Best Athletics, all the details on the website on how to become a member, um, how to uh, join one of our coaching teams. There's now seven coaches at Best Athletics with Jess and Jack joining, which um, is some really great news and they're going to be getting on the podcast very soon. So if you've got any details, drop us a message on Instagram. But otherwise, thank you very much. Thanks for listening. And we will speak to you all very, very soon. Cool. Thanks, Dan. Onwards and upwards. Yeah.